Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, you guys, welcome to the Temple of the Hoop Live. We're here on Spotify Live. We have friend of the pod, Joseph Gill. Last time we had him on, trade deadline. I'm here with Kings. Joseph specifically asked to join the pod. He had a lot <laughs> to get off his chest. Um, outside the third quarter, it's pretty much all Boston from jump. Joseph, I'll let you go in a minute. I just want to go over the game real quick. 116, 100. Uh, Celtics pretty much handled business. They um, go up 2-1, chance to go up 3-1 on Friday night. Joseph, take it away, man. Go ahead from the top. Everything you saw, get it off your chest, man. I mean, I don't, you know, I it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fair, right, to to get into specifics of you know anybody outside of why on earth are the Warriors not running 80 Steph Curry high pick and rolls a game? What is going on here? Yeah, like, so dude. I- we- yeah. I saw JJ Reddick finally put it out there. Like it was an, the efficiency out of that, especially with it, with uh, Boston sits in that drop. That's like 1.7 PPP, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, man. So what, what what do you see out there? I know the Warriors they they run a lot of off ball stuff. Boston's counter is just to kind of switch everything, which is kind of throwing a wrench in it because Boston does not play a, a weak defender, in my opinion. So it's hard, it's hard to, to, to get guys up. They just switch everything. So just what do you see, man? I mean, I, I think you nailed it. It's, it's this thing where I think that whenever the Warriors in the past have struggled to get Steph going, and this is where Steph Curry is incredible because it's rare that you have a superstar who's so just incredible on the ball but is also so willing to work hard off the ball. You know, I, I oftentimes when I'm working with, with players, I point to Steph Curry moving off the ball as the gold standard, right? Um, I, I think that – the Warriors do not understand that um, it's not a God-given right that Steph Curry is going to give you 25 points, right? And it's been a luxury that they can either scheme him for on-ball or off-ball with minimal effort. But right now what we're seeing is just an all-out blitz basically from the Celtics to try to take away Steph Curry. And if not take him away, minimize him. And I I think over the eight-year run of this dynasty, the Warriors have been very slow to understand that – when you're dealing with someone who's able to bring high volume efficiency, like Steph Curry, who's able to bring the gravity that Steph Curry brings. Um, it's a luxury that allows you to, to get, you know, a little bit of leeway, right? It's basically playing with house money and blackjack to the sense where you can kind of, you know, you, you can kind of mess around and try to get other people going because he brings you such a surplus of offensive efficiency that if you're kind of, you know, giving away a little bit here, giving away a little bit there to get guys, you know, feeling good about themselves, get guys comfortable, you can win a lot of games like that. But you know, as a Minnesota Vikings fan, I think about when Brett Favre threw the interception against New Orleans and Paul Allen yelled, you know, this isn't Detroit. This is the NFC Championship. I mean, literally, this is the NBA Finals. Like, you can't just sit back and, and just let a team dictate how you're going to use the best player in the series. It's it's madness, you know. And when they're doing this aggressive switching off the ball, 
I mean, there were multiple times in that first quarter where Steph didn't get a touch on a possession. That's just inexcusable, never mind the fact that occasionally the Celtics are playing drop coverage against him. I mean, 1.7 PPP, you, you could retire off PPP like that, you know? Yeah, and Kays, go ahead, man. I want to bring you in here just kind of, you know, going off what Joseph said, anything to add to what you saw, bro? I, I know there's something I want to ask you guys about after this, you know, addition to the Warriors, you know, offensive you know, struggles. They scored 11 points in that fourth quarter. Like, it was just nasty. Um, I think the Celtics did a better job of showing higher or it may just be that Time Lord has an ability to cover more ground than Horford does when he sits back. But he made the, the – they showed a little, a little higher. Um, Kings, go ahead, bro. What did you see? Uh, you, you know, um, outside of Curry and uh, Clay flourish from three offensively, they were definitely struggling to get uh, good quality shots. Obviously, the turnovers is just a horrible issue with Golden State. Um, they need to stop turning the ball over. Like it, you're not gonna win games spotting a team like Boston is very lethal from shooting the three free possessions, and then also. They have to win on the board. I mean, that's kind of how they, they got through the West was winning on the glass. They have to win on the glass. Um, they also have to, you know, and then to win on the glass is going to require more athleticism. Um, to win, to cut down turnovers is going to require, you know, Curry, I think, holding the ball more and getting more of the ball. So that leads me to one conclusion and one conclusion only to solve these two issues Draymond Green got to play less. Like, it's just that simple. Uh, you got to play Draymond less. You got to give Steph the ball. You got to see more Kaminga. You got to see more Looney. Like, that's just bottom line. I mean, you can't you can't say Draymond's defense because his defense isn't useful right now. Um, his roaming isn't impactful because Horford and Grant Williams are elite three-point three shooters. So his roaming is, is not as good because, if you know, if he's in a roam, they're going to give the ball up to those, those those guys. Those guys can hit. And also the off-ball actions that Boston is running with these with uh, with these guys is just it's it's making it's it's taking Draymond out of his position to help. Also, they're very athletic, so they're beating Draymond uh, up in the inside. It they need Kuminga to get minutes. They need Looney to get minutes, and they need Curry to hold the ball more. That means you need less Draymond Green. That's it's just that simple. Um, he needs to be he needs to be a utility guy this series, and uh, I don't know what's going on with Poole, but uh, he needs to wake up. So I, I don't know what I don't know what he's thinking. Um, this was the issue I had with him, Maples. I just when it and I, I told you they were gonna make him win one on one against good defenders. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like in previous series where he was playing, you know, those teams were trapped, uh, blitzing Curry more. He was getting more closeouts. He was getting more mismatches. This time, they're, you know, with Boston, like you see, they're they're dropping and showing on Steph or switching. And so that means that, you know, Poole's not getting easy mismatches. He's getting guys who are assigned to him. They're with him. They're on him. When he calls for the screen, they're switching with um, or dropping with uh, – Rob Will, who's a very you know good defender on the outside, even Horford has some good mobility, and they're daring pull to make plays, make plays beating them to the rim, make plays uh, you know passing, and he's just not that he's not there yet against this type of quality defense. So he has to find a way to get himself going. But I think it starts with more Curry, and it starts with less Draymond Green. Like that, that's the two biggest adjustments that gotta be made. Man, that 
that that's a perfect segue. I just wanted to ask you guys what what your you know, Kings gave me his. Joseph, your thoughts on what King said, more specifically the Draymond Green thing. It was really like game one, he wasn't very good. Uh, you know, just you know, being honest, tonight was not very good. Just he just he, he just can't find a way to be effective offensively, consistently in this series. And against a defense like Boston, it's really rough to play four on five, in my opinion. So, you know, what do you see? What do you think the answer is? Yeah, and you know, I, I think it's really hard for someone like me too to, you know, to kind of critique Draymond Green's game, right? Because right, right, right. you know, we're the same We all feel that way because we all feel. No, I know. I just gotta get it out there, but you know, I, I think it's really it, it all kind of comes back to I, I don't think that the the Warriors have a central thesis for how they're attacking the series, right? It, it's very clear to me that Boston is very aware of what they're trying to accomplish offensively and defensively. Offensively, they're trying to break the Warriors down. They're trying to get guys to tag too hard on rollers. They're trying to get guys to get a little sticky in the middle third. And they're just hunting open threes, right? They're mixing occasional back cuts, PNR action, and then in the last eight seconds of the shot clock, get the ball to Tatum, get the ball to Brown, see what happens, right? It's not rocket science. Um, you know, in a situation like that, I think that the Warriors have to really understand why they're playing guys and in what roles and what are they hoping to accomplish by playing certain guys, right? I, I, I am still a Draymond Green believer. I thought Draymond was actually fantastic for the first six minutes of the game, and then his impact really trailed off, obviously, towards the end, and he ends up fouling out. Um, but, you know, when he's when, when he's getting a little bit sticky, trying to be a good team to, uh, helper, and he's not reacting, you know, to – to Horford floating, he's not reacting to Time Lord, you know, just absolutely beating them up on the boards. Um, it becomes a lot harder to play him when you don't get Steph going, right? Because that's kind of Draymond's fantastic thing. I don't want to, I don't want to say that he's, you know, like the sidekick to Steph, but I can say that, you know, when you break down the, the numbers in the film over the last eight years, no one understands the value of Steph like Draymond offensively, right? No one's been a better uh, piece to work with him. Um, you know, I, I I will say I'm not sure if there's a path to victory for the Warriors in this series if they don't play Draymond. I I, I don't know if they can um if they can get away with sitting him because you know when you look at how the Warriors have have made their big runs you know over the last eight years, it has consistently been Draymond Green you know playing up a position and you know as hard as that is uh you know in this series so far, you got to fight for it. you have to fight to keep Draymond on the floor because. Um, I love Looney, you know, I, I love, you know, mixing in some Porter minutes, you know, trying to get, get, get a little spicy with those guys. Um, I don't understand why Bielitsa is playing that, that, that is just a yeah. <laughs> blowing, um, proposition to me that they, that they brought him in now in three games to try to just test him out. Like he's, you know, a, a car with a new engine. Um, so, you know, when we look at this roster, it's, it's so much is predicated off the ability that Draymond Green is going to be both plus defensively and offensively. And right now, based on the defensive scheme, he's a minus defensively. That is not something the Warriors can continue in game four or five. Otherwise, this series might not go six or seven. Um, and if you're not really fighting to get Steph going, um, there's no way for Draymond to be a plus offensively at this point in his career. And that's not a knock on Draymond. That's just how he has, you know, developed his game and to, you know, the smashing success of the Warriors, right? Um, you know, as far as Jordan goes, I'm not really going to speak on that as much for for uh, for, for for reasons uh, that that are known. You know, to you know, we, hey, hey, we ain't trying to we ain't trying to get your lights cut off, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's the thing. I'm not I'm not about to to, to fire back at Kings. Right. You know, he's 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 very you know he's well studied. He knows what he's talking about. But you know, it, it definitely just goes to show that um, you know Poole's best role is 
the complimentary spot up shooter who can also mix in a little bit of spice on the ball. Right. Um, when, when pool is, is moving aggressively off the ball, which he has been, I, I believe still through three games of series, um, you know, the stuff that he's doing on the ball is just an added bonus. Um, the problem becomes when you're running sets for, for Steph to run off two screens and the Celtics are, are, are printedly switching both of them while he's still in the corner. Uh, all of a sudden Jordan's got to take on a, a role that is just, you know, far too large for almost any third year player in the NBA to potentially have on their shoulders. Right. Um, I don't view this as a failing on Jordan's part. You know, when you look at Jordan's minutes, you know, the Warriors are, are winning his minutes, but frankly, in the NBA finals, you're not supposed to win minutes when, you know, you got a guy coming in off the bench. Um, but they're really not doing a good job of maximizing his impact with Steph. And then the miss without Steph are always going to be t- hard for this Warriors team, regardless of who is shouldering the offensive burden. Right. Yeah, right. I was just, just going to ask you what, my thing is, I've, Pool was one of my X factors in the series because I had one for each team. It was smart for Boston. Uh, it was Pool for Golden State. What do you think they can do to get him going? Get Steph going. I, I, I hate to sound like a one-dimensional record, but you know, the more the more that you get Steph Curry on the ball, the more everyone else gets to eat. You know, um, never mind the fact that Steph will dump in, a, you know, and often, you know, never mind 1.7 points per possession against a draw. You know, if Steph's dumping in 25 points on 20 shots and 20 possessions, um, you know, that's going to force the defense to react. And then all of a sudden it becomes more of a mind game of, you know, when Jordan's got the ball, are you willing to, you know, to, to, to help off, you know, to, to, to give up, even if it's not directly to Steph, because who's helping off Steph these days, but then again, who the hell's running drop coverage on Steph Curry these days? Um, you know, if, if you're helping off someone on the Warriors, that ball is likely to find Steph. And so when you're allowing Steph to be taken out of the game and reduced to just, you know, kind of standing around and hoping that, you know, he can, he can make a back cut or hoping the ball finds him, then all of a sudden it allows guys to have way more freedom in helping off. It allows guys to, to really kind of scramble and, and put themselves into potentially precarious situations with the intent of, of giving good effort on the backside to take away shots to the rim and open three pointers. And, you know, it, it, it sounds simplistic when I say it, but, um, you know, there's really no, you know, there's there's many ways to skin a horse, but there's no way to win a championship with Steph Curry outside of just giving him the freaking ball, you know? Right, go ahead. Go ahead, Kings. I saw you with me. Go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, it's, it's to get to get Poole going, like I said, Maples, what I told you, when, when has Poole looked the best, right? When Curry's getting all the attention and he's attacking closeouts, he's attacking mismatches, the game is easy for him. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to create. He doesn't have to beat the defense and make the reads. So how do you, like like Joseph said, how do you get him pull going? You have to get Curry going. You have to get make Curry demand the attention. And then when Curry demands the attention, it's going to get guys easier looks. It's going to get guys easier uh, matchups. It's going to get Wiggins his easy matchups. He's going to get pull his easier matchups. It's more favorable matchups. It's going to get the defense, you know, out, out of their, uh, out of their, uh, string, out of their rhythm. They, it's going to make them scrambling because they have to take the threat of Curry on ball, especially when they know he can torture him like this. So they have to get him more on ball. You cannot sacrifice your, uh, optimization of your offense to make Draymond Green playable. You just cannot do that. Like, at this point, you have to just make him a utility player and say, look, we have to maximize our offense. Defensively, we need more athleticism. We need more uh, size. So, Draymond, you're going to be part of a rotation. Is that, it's really that simple. Like, it has to be that simple, bro. You cannot jeopardize optimizing your team for Draymond Green. Like, that's just insane. Like, it's literally just insane at this point. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, so I, I gotta ask. I feel, I feel you, Kings, on that. I think there's, I think there's a balance to be struck. Um, there's a question I gotta ask you guys. So there is an, an athleticism issue in this series, and I, that I admit I overlooked. Like it's glaring the athleticism gap between these teams on both ends, and and it's it's showed a lot. I think outside of third quarters, I think Boston's winning this series like very handily outside of these third quarters that these Warriors just you know all time all-time level at. Um, how do you guys feel, both of you guys take this answer, uh, whoever goes first doesn't matter. How do you guys feel about possibly sprinkling in some Moody and Kaminga? I put this on the timeline, but how do you, what do you guys think about Moody and Kaminga minutes to kind of offset the athleticism issue? I like, I like Moody. I mean, I don't know. Moody might be tough because you need, you need guys to guard. I'm not, I'm not sure about him guarding, but, uh, the way they was guarding GP2, you know they're not guarding Moody like that. You know what I mean? Like, he's more of a threat. I mean, they're going to guard him like that, but Moody will be more of a threat to make them pay in his limited minutes offensively. But then how much defense do you want to give up in that regard? That's what you have to consider. Um, Kaminga has the athleticism to me to to be able to hang in there. Uh, somebody, you know, one of my mutuals talking about uh, Jalen Brown is going to do him like Jaw. Jaw has an elite first step. I was saying Jaw has an elite first step, elite athleticism. You know, Jalen Brown's a great athlete, but Jaw's an elite athlete, and he has a great handle. Jalen Brown does not have a great handle. Um, I, I can see him getting to his spots and hitting the midi, but, you know, you take those odds of hitting the midi, whereas Jaw, you could break down Kuminga easily and get to the rim at will, you know, at, at, at a whim. But I think Kuminga in there, because there's nobody on this Celtics team with the wiggle or the handle like a John Morant that could really make him pay for being on the floor and not uh, make him test his feet. I think, you know, with his size, with his speed, with his athleticism, he can hang with these bigger guys because these guys are using their size, they're using their speed, they're using athleticism to get to the rim, to get by guys. You know what I mean? They're not you're not like breaking down guys off the bounce and making their feet, you know, move left to right like that and, and bigging them with wiggle. They're, they're using first, first step, you know, using the shot to get guys off balance and then, and then to go right by them using the strength. That's, that favors a defender like Kaminga because, you know, like I said, he's a great athlete. So I think Kaminga can get good minutes. Obviously Looney can, can, uh, can do well because of what I just said, you know, he's not going to have to fear the handle as much. So I, like Draymond Green weakness for the past four years has been athletes. When he's played, went up against athletic front courts, they've always made him look bad because he's not, he's, he's not what he was in 2016. You know, they're having this discourse in the timeline. Who's the best team the Warriors face He's not what he was in 2016, 2016 Draymond was his prime. He hadn't had the wear and tear, you know, he, he, he had his offensive game was a lot better it's a lot different for Draymond now. Six years of wear and tear, offensive game has declined. You need to go with the better athletes. That doesn't mean Draymond shouldn't play. You know, there's 20 to 25 minutes for Draymond easily. 
in, in this series. I'm just saying it needs to be part of a platoon. It can't be Draymond Green. You're going to play 36 plus minutes with Curry and Clay. Like that's you can't you can't do that. Like nothing nothing on the tape justifies this right now. You know what I mean? Like that's just sticking to to your own uh, stubborn beliefs and your own stubborn guns. And like I said, this is nothing against Draymond because I think he can definitely be useful. But like I said, it has to be limited because you have to be able to adjust to the athleticism and the speed that the Celtics are showing on their front court. Mm. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, you know, I, I I I agree with everything. You know, Kings and I are almost always in agreement. I it's hard it's hard to follow him. Um, but you know, I, to, to kind of pick up the torch on Moses uh, Moody, he was actually uh, a player that I was asked to look into by uh, the great Packy Turner. Friend, I, I'm not sure is he friend of the show. He should be if he isn't. I know he's friend of of, of, of the we, people. We got to get Packy on. He I have an open invitation to his gym. I'll be at his gym uh, later this summer. So. Shout out, Packy. He is a friend of the show. He's a friend of the family, actually. <laughs> like, it goes beyond the pod. But, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, best best skills trainer in the world, turning Chet Holmgren into a monster as we speak. But he asked me – he was taking a meeting with Moses Moody, and he asked me to look into him. And the number one thing that I realized with Moses Moody is for a rookie, his ball security is absolutely top-notch. Not only is his ball security great, his shot selection is fantastic. Um, among the things that I saw that were, you know, rookie stuff you got to work on, uh, stuff like balance, stuff, you know, like he was he was moving just a, a, a hair behind game speed at times. But as far as a guy who you're not taking, you know, top five in the draft, who you're looking to play in the NBA Finals, he actually fits the archetype offensively pretty damn well. Um, you know, as, as far as a dude, you know, trying to, to defend for his life out there, you know, in the NBA Finals, that's tough. That's a big ask of any rookie player. But, you know, I, I often believe that in these moments you have to go to somebody who – is a little unconventional. You have to hope that, you know, be it adrenaline, you know, be it just desire to win, whatever it is that, that they can, you know, try to, to make the areas that would, would make them otherwise very hard to play at least manageable in short spurts. Right. And if you play Moses Moody, he's not going to turn it over. He's only going to take good shots. And frankly, in, in this postseason, every time the Warriors have played him, he's been a huge lift for him. Um, I don't understand how we're this late in the finals. I mean, it's not late, late, but three games and two losses for the Warriors. Um, and Moody can't seem to find a minute, you know, um, at the very least, just give him a different look because I, I know that he could potentially be, you know, a defensive liability, but you're normally worried about young players in these moments, just taking wild shots or turn the ball over and throwing it around. That's not Moses's game. Um, he was ranked when I did my report ninth in the NBA out of 376 players with at least as many possessions as him and how little he turned the ball over. I understand he's a catch and shoot guy, but still that's absolutely impressive. Um, you know, he handles, he handles the ball with two hands. He doesn't, he looks on every single pass. He snaps his passes, um, in a situation where you're trying to get Curry going, is he going to break down a defense, you know, and draw two and kick the Curry? No. Um, but he can probably be a good safety valve to make open shots. And honestly, right now, uh, they're kicking the ball out to guys who they take a shot and you're not feeling like it's a win for the Warriors. You're feeling like it's a win for the Celtics or at least a push, you know, um, not to name a name, but you know, there are certain times of balls going up and I'm thinking to myself, that's, you know, you spent 18 seconds of the shot clock to get that guy, you know, a kind of in rhythm three. That's not what's going to get you, you know, and, and, and at this point they're in a hole, right? That's not what, that's not what's going to get you three wins in five games. Um, you know, as, as far as young guys go, you need to do something because, um, 
I mean, clearly, I'm not trying to sound panicky, but uh, I was going into game two feeling a little bit apprehensive knowing that the Warriors really believe in their culture above all else. They really believe that, you know, when they spread the ball around, the good things are going to happen. And, you know, I'm an analytics guy. I'm a former player. I quote Phil Jackson's books to my clients all the time, but it's with the understanding that, you know, the only way to win a game of basketball is by scoring more points on their team, right? You don't get extra points just for tossing it around. You you know, getting a guy who's not going to help you score efficiently involved, that doesn't help your team. It just helps, you know, with the general vibe. So, you know, whatever the Warriors have to try, you know, they, they got to do something because the rut that they're in right now with this offense, um, they don't have enough guys they trust, you know, to get Steph going when the Suggs are switching like this and it's really showing. Um, like I said, is Moses the answer? Prob- I, I guess probably not. But is Kaminga the answer? I guess probably not. But you are at that point if you're the Warriors. You have to be willing to try other things because what is you're doing right now is so clearly not working. I don't know how you're losing um, the, the schematic battle this badly when you have Steph freaking Curry, you know? Yeah, so to your point uh, tonight, Curry and Clay. 11 for 24 from three, everybody else four for 26 or four, 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 four for 16 from three. So, you know, to that point, <laughs> this just to say that they, they, they just don't have a lot of guys that are going to read respect. Wiggins one for six, Poole one for four, uh, Draymond 0 for two, and Porter made two of his. So just they got three guys really who can, they can pin on to, to make shots. And the Suns have a few. I think the what I like about the Celtics roster, they got so many guys who can do multiple things. They don't play like specialists. They got basketball players. I think that's like my biggest, you know, compliment to their roster. Like every every guy can do multiple things. Um, last thing I want to ask you guys about the shocker to me tonight was the Warriors' defense. Well, we talked about the offense a lot, but their defense was, you know, atrocious to me. You know, I thought that they were excellent in Game Two. I think the Celtics were terrible inside the three-point line. The Warriors were taking their own point tonight. Not so much. I thought they were really bad at the point of attack. They often overhelped on the wrong guys, like a lot of leaving the strong side corner, uh, a lot of losing guys off the ball, like very uncharacteristic for an NBA Finals, you know, swing game. Um, Joseph, what did you see, you know, from them defensively that obviously that changed from game two, or was it, you know, more Boston being better? You know, what did you see? I mean, I, I think that the Warriors, the theme of the Warriors defense in games one and three has been, um, you know, in game one, it was obviously the three-point onslaught in uh, in the fourth quarter. In game three, they got the doors blown off them for the first 18, 20 minutes of the game. Um, once they get to the point where they've seen the ball go in, uh, you know, that many times, it really feels like they – they start to press up, right? Where uh, I, I, when, when I'm going to look at the film of this game, I'm curious just exactly how many times the Celtics back cut the Warriors in key moments for two dumping points. Um, it felt like the, the, the Celtics were able to leverage the fact that they were hot to start the game into having the Warriors play a little bit too, too far on the high side and then, you know, burn them back about five, six, seven times. Um, you know, it, it is tough. I, I, I've been there. I've been out there when, you know, when you're getting shelled and especially on the road and you're looking up and people are, are just going absolutely nuts in the stands, every rhythm three pointer, you know, is just splash bottom of the net. Um, you really start to feel like it's never going to end. But at the end of the day, these guys are professional basketball players. They have to have, you know, a, a much broader bird's eye view of, of how these games are won and lost. Um, and, and I, frankly, you know, every single time the Celtics have gotten hot from three, I have said, you know, either online or, you know, in text to those that I'm talking to during these games, 
the Celtics just have to weather, you know, the, the Warriors have to weather these barrages because it's it's a part of basketball, especially in 2022, where teams are taking this many three pointers, this many shooters in the Celtics, they are going to get hot. Um, where the where the Warriors really fall apart and where their their defense goes from second best to the league to all of a sudden a whole bunch of guys, you know, who are oftentimes, um, you know, for Steph, for Clay, for Jordan. Um, you know, uh, below positional average athletes. Um, all of a sudden, when those guys start pressing and, they, and they're trying to take away three pointers on their lonesome, um, it really has disastrous consequences to not only, you know, they're at rim attempts, their, their attempts in the paint, it has disastrous consequences to their offensive rebounds, it has disastrous consequences to their help defense. Um, you know, it's it, it's tough. You know, in these situations, no one play is exactly the same. So you can't really, you know, I, I love to talk more in specifics. Um, but on a clip-by-clip basis, you really can't. But as far as overarching themes, the Warriors just need to trust their defensive scheme a lot more because, you know, if the Celtics shoot 55% from three and you lose the finals, you weren't going to win the finals anyway, you know? Sometimes you just get hit with the deck in basketball. And there's nothing you can do. But I'd much rather try to weather a storm and make them shoot the absolute lights out for, you know, five, six, seven games than allow yourself to get back cut, you know, two or three times a quarter and just, you know, be bleeding out all over the place on that end because you're, you're, you're a little bit too afraid that they might, you know, catch and fire in your face. you got to just let them do that. They're going to do that. There's nothing you can do. Be better at the point of attack, right? <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You're gonna get beat. Go ahead, kicks. Yeah, I mean, being better at the point of attack, um, that's gonna that's gonna mean you know, it's, it's gonna mean you have you're gonna have to uh, you're just gonna have to trust your back line. And if you're gonna trust your back line, that means your back line has to have the speed and it has to have the athleticism to not only contest but to uh, recover. You know, what I mean, uh, so you have so he's gonna have to he's gonna have to make a play to help his teammate out and also be able to rotate on the street once his teammate gets beat and rotates to his man. And then also that that man who's helping has to be able to be strong enough to box out, get rebounds. So, again, what does that mean? It, it means less who, less Draymond Green, because you need the athletes. So you need a Kaminga or you need a bigger body, which is like Looney, because, you know, that's that's the only way that you're going to help your, your front line. I think they're just getting beat on the front line in terms of rebounding and in terms of obviously with rim, uh, rim protection. I mean, they don't really have that regardless. Be physical inside. Don't give up these offensive rebounds like they were giving up in fourth quarter. You can get, you can stop that with a Looney, with a Kaminga and as well as, you know, bigger guys. So they can, you know, battle these front court guys or make, at least make the looks inside more tough. Um, you know, outside of the point of attack, defense is being better, and that's just guys, like I said, you know, giving more effort to that aspect and and all that. Um, I think Joe got a good point. Um, you know, people want they want you to people want you know go and say to run these guys off the three point line because they're just great shooters. But at the end of the day, if you're compromised on the inside rim protection wise, like if Pool Clay uh, Curry are just not optimal athletes. You can't run them off the three-point line into easy layups or, you know, run them off the three-point line into an even more open three. You know, just do a control closeout. That's it. Like Joe said, if they're hitting 55% of their threes, bro, you were never winning that series. You know what I mean? It's better than trying to run them off, and you're not going to stop them at the rim. Like, if you run run them off the three-point line from a 40% three into, like, a 60 to 70% two, or an even more open three, that's not better defense <laughs> just because you ran them off the three-point line. You know what I mean? That's just being stubborn to a philosophy that 
has been ingrained into a lot of us, you know, coaching based off how we were, you know, we were taught who, but you have to look at it, you know, numbers game, look at the scheme, look at the, look at the, uh, how you're getting beat, you know, they're beating you on the inside. They're, they're, they're causing your defensive scheme to collapse. And that's how they're getting even more open looks. That's how they're getting easy layups on your, on your back line and making your back line compromised. You know, what I mean, you have you have to protect your back line if you're Golden State. And if that that means making them guys hit 50 percent from three. Then so be it. And you know what? People get on. We got on Milwaukee for that. But guess what? Milwaukee was one game away from a championship without Chris. I mean, from a from beating these guys without Chris Middleton. You know, what I mean, because because they they didn't compromise their defensive scheme because these guys was hitting lights out for three. They said, if you're going to win this series. You're going to have to hit lights out from three. Boston did it, but they made them have to do it. You know what I mean? So Golden State is going to make them have to make all those threes. And I think if if Golden State sticks to their defensive schemes, they'll get more stops. I think they'll give their offense more opportunities. And unlike Milwaukee, they have a better offense to, you know, stay in the game and close out games. So I think they'll give themselves a better chance. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a fine line with that too. You got to kind of read how the game is going. Like if they're shooting lights out, you, know, you got to adjust something at some point. But I think your underlying theme is definitely, you know, okay, especially in the Warriors situation with no rim protection on the back line, you're absolutely correct. Um, Jones, I want to ask you this. So you have a lot more conversations than me and Kings do with, you know, guys at that level as far as, you know, schematics go. I, I was absolutely fascinated watching the Celtics, you know, pick and roll defense in the third quarter. Um, I think we're all in agreement. Steph Curry is probably the best shooter to, to have ever lived. And they let Al Horford sit back. I think Boston's the best defensive team in the NBA to me. I, I think that's the numbers back that up as well. Yep. Um, their decision to sit in that drop and kind of let the third quarter become a shooting gallery. Uh, how did you feel about that? And like, what, what, what do you think the thinking is behind that? You know, seeing as you're more, you know, connected to guys at, at that level, you know, than we are. What, what what do you think the thought process was behind that? Yeah, so I, whenever, you know, I do a lot more player work than teamwork these days and have for a very long time. Um, but, you know, my philosophy whenever, you know, it came my turn to, to weigh in the defensive scouting reports are, you know, efficiency is king, right? You win the PVP battle, you win the game 89% of the time. You win it by 0.05 or more points, so one point every 20 plays, which is not to take – at all into account offensive rebounding, right? For all intents and purposes, offensive rebound does not matter for the stat. Um, you win it by one uh, point every 20 plays, you win 97% of the time, right? So all my effort, whenever I was at all tasks to look into defensive stuff, went straight to PBB, trying to quantify, you know, the weak points in the offense or the weak points in the defense. Um, my philosophy was always induce, 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 induce. And, you know, whenever you're, you're, you are able to find a player, it does not matter how good the team is, you know, uh, offensively. If you are willing to find a player that is consistently willing to take below efficiency shots or even just below team efficiency shots, um, if you're able to induce them in determining possessions early, you give yourself a much better chance of winning that game, Right. The only thing I can come up with as far as what the uh, the Celtics are attempting to do here is they believe that Steph Curry will not take 23s a game. They believe that, you know, uh, excuse me, 23s a game every single game. Um, what I believe is going on here is that for whatever reason, the Celtics coaching staff believes that if they play drop coverage um, – and, and, and they focus on taking away him off the ball and they focus on trying to make sure that he he is, you know, allowed to take these shots um, is that 
for whatever reason, the culture, you know, be it Steph's personality, be it, you know, whatever Kerr's whispering in his ear, um, that Steph is unwilling to for a full, for a full 48 to take those shots. Um, and I'm forced to believe this because, frankly, by no other uh, thought process is this a rational strategy. Um Allowing the best shooter of all time to, you know, to, to, to shoot over the top of dropping defenders and dude, they're dropping guys who they have no business dropping, you know, uh, at the very least, you know, if you're dropping Al Horford, I get it. I, I'm not like booyah, but it makes way more sense dropping 36 year old Al Horford than occasionally dropping Robert Williams. That, that is mind blowing to me. That being said, Rob has blocked, I believe two, three pointers now from Steph this series. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's such a tough, uh, thing to try to rationalize because the only way that, that they could possibly be, be doing this for this long of a time for three straight games is they believe something is going on within the Warriors that will make them completely unwilling to capitalize on, you know, the buffet that they're giving them as far as PPP is concerned. And um, as, as, as unbelievable as it is, you know, I'm a big fan of a radical strategy. Uh, you know, when you're an underdog, underdogs rarely, you know, uh, Enlist radical strategies often enough. Uh, books have been written about this. No, I believe it was either Michael Lewis or Malcolm Gladwell wrote wrote about how you know when when underdogs face favorites on you know just a conventional field of battle they get they get steamrolled. But when they take the time to try to figure out the weakest point, even if it is radically unconventional, they fare much much better. Um, and yeah, I, you know I'm kind of rambling here, but like frankly, there's no there's no other possible explanation. Uh, in the NBA Finals to be doing this other than that they believe that, that the Warriors will implode because they refuse to play, quote, selfish basketball when Steph isn't absolutely feeling it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Gambit because after three games, they're right. And, you know, and it's up to Kerr to, to you know, to, to basically scream at his guys that if they're going to play drop, we are going to run two Steph pick and rolls every single possession and beg them to keep dropping. And it is an adjustment that for whatever reason, I don't know if it's hubris. I don't know if it's ignorance. Uh, you know, it, it almost has to be hubris, you think. But, you know, uh, being a little bit closer to the to the, the you know, to, to the happenings. Um, I, at this point, after eight years, I do believe it is a little bit ignorance. I do believe that, that the Warriors do not understand why they're a dynasty. And we're seeing that play out in really just baffling fashion by the Celtics punting away PPP on drops, but yet, you know, basically bottling up Curry otherwise because he's so willing to give it up and try to be that good team player. And, you know, the supporting cast at this point is just not, uh, they're, you know, I think, I think I, 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 uh, I messaged this to you, Jason, during the game, KD's not walking through that door. You need to adjust. Andrew Wiggins is a far cry from from Kevin Durant. I'm not gonna crap all over Andrew, but you know if if you're expecting him to pick up the slack and in, in the role that Durant used to do, you're in for a really bummer of a summer. I mean, yeah, I, I gotta, uh, you know, I agree, and it's funny because at the trade deadline, and the Warrior fans keep bumping us after every series, talking about, you know, I was suggesting all season they didn't make one trade, maybe you know, I have to give up one of those young guys to shore up, you know, the, a, a secondary, you know, score or something. And they started, you know, retweeting it after every series. But, yeah, man, they're, they're, they're lacking in, you know, residual help right now. So, you know, I, I agree with you. No, I, I, I was just I was just going to uh, agree with uh, with Joseph. I mean, it's you, at some point you just have to, to just squash everything. Not everything, but you just have to, um, you know, 
get out of that stubborn mentality. And and I talked about this in terms of why I take uh, Spo as the best in, of our generation coaching wise and why I lean towards Lou over Kerr. Just the ability to be in-game tacticians in terms of understanding what the strengths are use and abusing those strengths until the other team finds it, finds a counter. I mean, you saw that with Spo, uh, with Jimmy and with the heat, you know, he's, he saw what uh hero wasn't giving him. He pulled out here because Vincent gave Vincent was giving him more, you know, gave, gave Vincent started to play a little bad. He started playing more of, you know, Duncan Robinson he started looking more towards Kyle Lowry to get going. Um, it, you know, to generate some type of offense defensively, you saw the type of looks that they were throwing at Tatum, you know, with Depot, with uh, with Jimmy, with them, to how they were mixing it up, mixing up all the lineups when needed, you know, playing guys that were useful and guys weren't useful, taking them out, trying to generate a spark plug with new guys that hadn't uh, played to just to, to give new looks. I mean, it's the it's the finals, bro. You have to throw everything. You have to throw everything to win a chip. Um, if you're comfortable you know, if you're comfortable and just resting on what's gotten you there and not adapting, you peak. You peak. Like it's just it's just that simple. And honestly, it 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 legitimately feels like Kerr's philosophy peaked in 2016. But you know, Slim walked through the doors and got him to and helped get him two more. But from a philosophical standpoint, it really looked like this philosophy peaked in 2016. Jason, I, I got a question for you, actually. Yeah. Do you think that the Phil Jackson coaching tree and the Phil Jackson mindset, almost the romanticized mindset of, you know, the ball has energy and, and the only way to win, do, how, how much of the blame for the, for the Warriors' offense do you put in Kerr buying into that dogma and being unwilling to embrace the Spolstra school of just exploit because – you know, analytics inherently, all we try to do is exploit, exploit, exploit. But, you know, exploiting doesn't keep people happy. You know, is, is there a way to, to, to manage both in, at a time like this? Or do you have to just, you know, when times are tough, bear down on, on, on whatever your philosophy is and ride it out? See, if you look deeper in, into Phil Jackson and what he if you watch actually watch the games with the triangle and that ball has energy stuff, that's fine and dandy. But when the rubber meets the road, <laughs> he put the ball in Michael – Kobe and Kobe said, look, serious, look, look at the yeah. field. Whoever hit the road, look at the NBA finals. Like, Michael, average was 41 points a game, 93 finals, 36 in the other one. But, like, Phil understood, you know, that was for the regular season, keep guys involved, keep the guys in the whatever. But when the rubber met the road, NBA finals, plus, that ball was exactly where we needed to go. And part of that is um, love step. I do not think he's completely aimless in this because, you know, at some point he has to you know, also get that, uh, I need to get the ball here. But you know what I mean? It's a two-way street. You know, I'm sure Kerr, him and Kerr lean on each other. He's got to hit that, hey, I need to get the ball in my hand, but we need to be more aggressive this way. So I think Shep, Steph does share a little bit uh, of the, you know, blame for that. You know, they're in the finals. It's 2-1. We'll see how the adjustments go. But I think Steph has to get more, you know, assertive. Like, hey, give me the ball here. And I think, you know, I think we'll see that. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I, I often, you know, the, the, the biggest Phil Jacksonism that I that I repeat to, to players is, um, you know, the road to freedom is a beautiful system. 
And I know that sounds kind of wild because my entire job is basically saying, um, you know, your coach isn't wrong, but your coach is leaving you in the dark. And if you want to get drafted higher, if you want to make more money, if you want to score more points, this is the path that you must do, you know, to leverage your unique skill set, to leverage your unique development uh, path, you know, to get you to where you want to go or, you know, or where you should in theory want to go. Um, with that being said, I, I agree. The regular season stuff is fantastic. It keeps guys fresh. It keeps guys engaged. But uh, I, I, the, the quote is, the road of freedom is a beautiful system, not the only path to freedom is a beautiful right. system. <laughs> Once you're at you know the pinnacle, you got to start making adjustments. And, I, yeah, I, I just – I, I, I do feel like sometimes watching these games that like my, you know, my carbon monoxide alarm uh, or uh, whatever you call those things isn't beeping and that I'm slowly suffocating because I don't understand how you get to this point. And, you know, I, I actually, I, I got asked this uh, this week by, you know, an analyst for, for an NBA team, you know, if you're not embracing what you run in the final moments, how much do you believe in it? And, that to me is kind of where, you know, and I, I, I hope that analytics doesn't lead us into a capitalistic race to the bottom. Um, it is one of the things that I, I wrestle with on a daily basis where, you know, I wonder, am I actually, you know, when I help my clients, am I hurting the game, you know, that I love so much? Am I hurting the industry, you know, that I want to see thrive? Um, you know, but I, I, I often feel like, uh, you know, in these moments, this is kind of why an overarching philosophy is almost doomed to fail in a weird way. If that philosophy is not deeply rooted in just hammering the numbers, right? Because whether or not Spolstra, you know, is conceptualizing himself as an analytical coach. Um, and there is stuff that they do that, you know, analytics would say not to do at times. Right. Um, but clearly his overarching thesis statement for how he runs his team is we're going to do the most exploitative thing we can possibly do at all times. And if that means the guys sit, as we'll sit, if that means that we play, you know, we run the same set over and over again, it's that NFL mentality of, you know, you, you throw the ball at the, the 4.6 corner, you know, the 4.8 corner who just can't keep up with your fastest player. Um, I understand, you know, I, I manage egos all the time and it's tough because they're righteous egos. You know, if you were a millionaire for being, you know, one of the 450 best in the world, at, you know, at a sport that billions aspire to play, um, all of us would feel pretty good about ourselves. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I, I do think that there is a messaging that you can deliver to guys to say that this suits all of us, right? Um, it might not suit your wildest fantasies for how you, you want to view yourself winning the finals, but it's much better winning the finals as a guy who, who does what needs to be done, and that means sacrifice, than losing the finals trying to, to be the person you all, you've always consistently been. Right. Uh, man, this was some heat, man. First of all, uh, follow Joseph Gill on Twitter of Merck Analytics. Um, Helps connect the players on the analytics side. One of my favorite NBA people. We have him on a pod at least once or twice a year. This was long overdue. Follow Alex Kings, bruh. Follow myself, JJ Mibbles 55 underscore MST. This post game was some heat. Um, it will definitely be up in pile form. You want to review anything that was said. Real quick before we get out of here, predictions. Joe, me and Kings both said Warriors in seven. I am officially on shaky ground. Uh, what are you saying, Joe? I'm I'm not saying anything. Um, I got I got Grant Williams and Jordan Poole tied for Finals MVP. That's all I got. Got you, got you, Kings. Are you sticking with Warriors and seven, or are you shaky? I'm sticking with Warriors and seven. I think at the end of the day, uh, Game Four is going to have to be played. Um, the third quarter is still the Warriors, so it's on Kerr, man. Um, it's on Kerr to push the buttons. 
for the other quarters. And uh, look, it's anybody's series at the at this point still. You know, there's nothing to be concerned about. Game four, check ball. All right. Got it. We still sticking with it. You guys be safe, and we are out of here. Thanks for having me, guys.